Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Okay, so we are diving into uh, 1 Samuel 17. We're going to do things a little different today just because of uh, time. I'm going to give you a bit of an introduction. I'll give you a snapshot of what's going on in here. And then I'm going to ask if you would uh, come forward when it comes to the scripture readings. If you'd be so bold, just come on up and uh, read the scripture. But I'd encourage you to read through all of 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17 as part of your devotions this week. And uh, make time to go for coffee with someone else, talk about it, and go deeper in the word. Um, Oh, just lost my connection there. If I can get that, coach starts. Thank you. So, right from the beginning here, we just celebrated Canada Day. And I think we did a decent job of it. Um, James, thank you. If you didn't see James' post on YouTube, it was awesome. And, you know, it's great to bring things back to our roots, back to our heritage, back to what this country was built on. And you probably know this, but 1867 was when Canada was born with this declaration. He shall have dominion. Who's he? God. Or rule also from sea to sea and from rivers unto the ends of the earth. Our nation was founded on God ruling. Yet too many people want their own rights and they take what rights they have for granted. Victory, someone say victory, victory belongs to the Lord and the battle is his and he is calling out mighty men of God that are willing to go to war with him. Are you one of those men? Are you willing to fight? And do you know what it is that you are fighting for? I, I, I posted this earlier on. I asked you guys, what giants, what battles have you been facing, but what giants have you had to face lately? If you can name a giant, I can always name the God that is bigger, <laughs> okay? Sometimes the battles we face are the battles within. Sometimes the battles we face are going to be the battles um, among those that are even closest to us. And sometimes, you know, others may mean well. They may even try to get us to fight according to what is familiar to them. But really, it is foreign to us. It is foreign to the way that God created us to fight. Either way, we are learning, we're learning to fight, and that takes faith. You can't fight without faith. And let me show you how to fight and how you can find your strategy right here in the scriptures. You see, the Israelites were facing their enemy, the Philistines. And there, Saul had an army, and if you know something about Saul, he was appointed to be king, he was anointed and appointed, but he wasn't living up to his position. And the Lord had a plan to use someone different, a young man named David. And you see, in the chapter before, Samuel, the prophet, is told by God to go to the house of Jesse, who is the father to David. And Jesse has eight sons. And when he goes in, 
He's not to look at the one to be anointed by the way that he looks on the outside, for that's how man judges other men. But he says, I have picked him according to what's in his heart. I see what's in his heart. So while there's a battle going on out there, how many of you know there's always a battle going on in the home? Yeah. And even from day one, when the prophet Samuel would show up to anoint David to be king, he wasn't even invited to the party. <laughs> All the other brothers were there, and, and it says in the scriptures in, in uh, chapter 16 that even the prophet Samuel saw his oldest, David's oldest brother, and for, thought for sure he's tall, he's handsome, this is the one. You see, because you know who else was tall and handsome was King Saul. And how many times do we try to repeat or replicate something that has been done in the past when God wants to do and use someone new? But David, even though he was later to be anointed to be king, he had to go back to tending the sheep. And he had a job to do as a shepherd. Until one day his father would send him out to the battlefields to feed his brothers. He had roles and responsibilities in which you will see that he had to take care of first, and he was faithful to do that along the way. And God would speak to him and work with him even when he was in the field. He would teach him things, how to trust in him, and how to yield what weapon he had, which happened to be a sling. He took down a lion, he took down a bear, and every time it built his faith because God was there. God was working in him in that mess with all the sheep in days that he thought he was alone, even though he knew he was created for greater things. God had a purpose and a plan right there where he was to spend time with him and learn to shepherd. So when he does get called to the battlefield, he's shocked. He finds that his brothers and the whole army is in fear because of this man named Goliath. This giant who stands almost 10 feet tall, 9 feet 9 inches, by the way, it says in your Bible, that he, he comes out mocking the Israelites. He says, hey, where are the men? Give me your best. If he can defeat me, we'll be your servants. You guys win. But when I defeat you, so Goliath thinks, you will be our servants. And every day he comes out and he mocks God's chosen people. The enemy is mocking us, men. Every day. It might be in the schools. It might be in the homes. It might be through politicians. It might be through the media. But there are Goliaths out there and the enemy is mocking the godly men. And so David's so shocked that no one will fight this uncircumcised Philistine and they will allow him to defile the name of God. And so David takes a stand. He starts asking around, you know, what happens if this man defeats Goliath? And he gets riches. He doesn't have to pay taxes. He gets, he gets Saul's daughter. He gets all these things. And he's wondering why no one will. And because he's talking this way, because he's talking different than everybody else, he catches the ear of King Saul. And he's brought before King Saul and he shares his, how, how the Lord helped him with the lion and the bear and the Lord will help him defeat Goliath. And Saul offers him his armor, the best armor there possibly could be. 
And David even entertains him by putting it on, but he tries walking around with it, and he says, I can't fight with this. This is foreign to me. There's so much we can learn in the text in how we fight and how God has called us to fight when it comes to the battle. So David puts it down, he picks up his sling, he goes down and he gets five stones, five smooth stones by the river. He didn't need five shots to take down Goliath, he only needed one, but Goliath had four more brothers. He was willing to go the distance. He knew if he was going to step up to that battle line, he better follow through. He trusted in the Lord with all his heart, but he was willing to face Goliath and he was willing to fight for the Lord when no one else was. So that's just a snapshot and a little context to what I want to go into today. I would like someone to come up and read 1 Samuel 17, verse 3. First man up gets to read. All right. You said you want to start at verse 3? Yeah, just verse 3. Oh, just verse 3. Okay, well, here we go. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Wonderful. What's your valley? In the valley, in the valley is where we can find victory. What's your valley? You can't have victory without a battle. You can look across at what you choose to conquer, or you can be a coward and be stuck and stay on your side of the valley. Until you step into the valley and step up to the battle lines, you'll never conquer your fears. Many men would love for someone else to face Goliath and fight on their behalf. Jesus did that already. He overcame sin and death. But then he has commissioned us to go into the world making disciples and, and baptizing them, teaching them to obey his commands. He didn't just, just say, okay, it's done now, guys. Go on autopilot. Go on cruise control. Just watch me for the rest of your life. No, he sent out his disciples, and he's sending us out. A lot of people would love for other people to fight their giants. Your government, your boss, your politicians, your wife, your kids, they're not going to fight your battles. The battle belongs to the brave. And most importantly, the battle belongs to those who trust in the Lord and aren't afraid to fight for what's right. Those that are willing to get up and man up. It's actually the title of my teaching today. Get up. And man up. And you all did that this morning, so give yourself a pat on the back. I got up, even when I didn't feel like it. <laughs> all right. Then if I could have one of you mighty men read 1 Samuel 17, verses 10 to 11, and Coach Vince is up like that. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man, and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Good reading, Coach Vince. Get ready, men online. I'm going to pick somebody uh, next online to read the next scripture coming up soon. 
Goliath says, give me a man. (laughs) Where are all the men that are willing to fight? All these men were terrified, yet all of them had trained for war. Yet they weren't willing to go to battle. How many men know the word of God, read the word of God, even spend time in prayer, but when it comes to war, they don't want to participate? Not in this house. Say, not in this house. Thank you. You can train for years. You can even put on your armor. You could go out and put on your armor of God every day, every morning, and then not go to battle and not go to war. But how will you advance unless you are willing to face your giants? Okay. Let's go to Pastor Morris, 1 Samuel 17, uh, verses 20. Verse 20, it's all verse 20. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for battle. <laughs> Come on, give it up for Pastor Moore's reading the word this morning. This is a man that I'm uh, proud to have as my pastor. This is a man that I love to, to go to war with. How I many you know you don't have to go to battle alone? This is a man that has influenced me not to be fearful or to stand up for, for what is right when others won't. You know, Pastor Moore shared a story with me once how someone came into the church and he threatened the people of the church. He started to speak negatively over the church. And then Pastor Moore simply said, let's step outside. And this big man said, you can't fight me. You're a pastor. He said, watch me. <laughs> And he walked him outside, and thank God it didn't go further than that. But, you know, the enemy will tempt you and think that you're a pushover. You're not. Jesus wasn't a pushover, and neither are you. When the time comes to stand, you will stand. When the time comes to speak, you will speak. When the time comes for war, you will fight. For there is a time and a season for everything under the sun. So let's talk about the fight to get up. We just read in the scripture. I want to talk about the first battle some of us face, the fight to get up. Don't sleep in on your opportunity to fight. For some men, the battle is just getting up in the morning. I have read over this passage so many times that Pastor Morris just read, and I have shared this story. This is one of my favorite stories of all time, but I have never preached on this verse until now. It says, early in the morning. Early in the morning, David left his flock in the care of a shepherd as Jesse, his father, directed. Whoa. David didn't just leave his flock unattended to go to war. A, he left them in the care of a shepherd. Sometimes we leave with haste and we forget our responsibilities. Those that we have been entrusted with, 
those that we are still called to protect, to feed, and to care for. Those that we are called to disciple. So before you leave for war, make sure your responsibilities are met. That you have been faithful to disciple others that will disciple others. Before, this is B, before you leave for war, make sure it's God's will (laughs) that you go to war. It says, David did all that his father had directed. Is the Lord calling you out, or are you just going out on your own? Think about it. See, David was under the authority of his father. We're all under authority of someone else. We should be. Someone should be mentoring, discipling us, and leading us as we lead others constantly. So later, in another of David's battles, you see this. He would ask the Lord in 1 Samuel 30, after the Amalekites had raided their camp, burnt everything, taken the women and children, and his own men start to turn on him. You know, it says there that that when they came back, after they had gone out and they found everything gone, the women gone, the livestock gone, and everything else was burning, it said the men wept until they couldn't weep anymore. And then after they were sad, they got mad at their leader. And they started to turn on David. It says that they were ready to stone him. And then David does something pretty interesting that you see here. He goes to his father for direction. Instead of running out to the battlefield and the battle lines, before he advances, he asks. So he goes to his tent and he says, it says that, he says, shall I pursue this raiding party? He says to the Lord, will I overtake them? Pursue them, the Lord answers. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in your rescue. That's 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. Notice there's, there's clues to success. Success leaves clues. David purposed to pause in the presence of the Lord. And David listened to the authority that it was over him. And he still followed through on his task. You'll see there's a lot more tasks that we read over. And here's the thing. Even when, I say when because it'll happen, when you feel that you've been knocked down and every, everything has been taken from you, you got to keep getting up. And you can't lose the faith to fight. Don't lose the faith to fight. With someone in-house, read 1 Samuel 17, 22, and 23. Thanks, Garth. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out of his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Let's give it up for Garth reading the word. 
Now, I don't know if you caught what I caught there, but I didn't catch it till this morning at 4 a.m. So again, David shows responsibility. He completes even the smallest task that he was set out to do. Before running to the battle lines, this, this message seems to remind us that although we are called to respond to the battle, we still have responsibilities and tasks to complete. If we are to succeed, David left his things, the scripture says, with the keeper of the supplies. I've read over that, I don't know how many times, and it never caught me until this morning. He put it in, he'd finished the task his father sent him to do, and he passed it off, he handed it off to the right person before taking on the next task and the next battle. Are you catching this? This is great leadership teaching, by the way. How does this look in your home right now? How does this look in the workplace right now? How does this look in God's house right now? Oh, we can get distracted when people come in that are trying to not eat people. Let's not do that, okay? (laughs) When things come in that might be in people to try to steer your attention and take you away from what you're called to do. You might be at the front door greeting somebody, the front door ready to receive somebody new. At the front door, the enemy will try to take out the gatekeeper and distract you. You see a battle over here. You need to trust that the Lord has positioned Nick (laughs) and someone else, that you will hold your ground, that you will stay on that wall that we talked about in Nehemiah, that you won't come down because you're doing a good thing. If you're called to come down, you will do it faithfully and not leave a hole and leave it empty. Am I speaking to anyone this morning? You want to leave your home. You want to leave your family. You want to go out and fight the good fight. But is your house in order? Or is your wife taken care of? Are your kids taken care of? This is, I'm, this is some deep stuff right here that we just read right over. It could, this, there's a reason it's in the scripture. God put it there for a reason. He had a task to do, and he fulfilled the task, and he handed it. His handoff was great. You could call this teaching the great handoff. <laughs> I'll do another leadership teaching on it. The great handoff. Great handoff, David. You're doing good so far. Had One, had David not got up early in the morning, fulfilled his task his father had asked him, and ran to the battle lines to meet his brothers, he would have missed Goliath and probably missed the battle. Coach Darcy, missed the battle. Oh, it's, we're freezing up here. We're having technical difficulties. It's not Coach Darcy, by the way. That's why, man, it's important that we get up early in the morning. How many times in Scripture did Jesus get up early in the morning? It's important that we get up early. It's important that... We fulfill the task that the Lord has for us. How many men are sleeping in right now on their victories? You'd be surprised how many men will come to me 
and they'll ask me for help. Help in their marriage, help in their finances, help in their spiritual walk. And the first thing I invite them to do is to come pray with me at 5.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning or come join the rest of the brothers at 7 a.m. for the men's service. And you might be surprised how many men's first response is, that's too early for me. It's too early for you to to get up and stand for your family to get better. It's too early for you to wake up for the Lord to become a better man than you've been called to be. The importance of getting up early is so overlooked. How many men are sleeping in on their battle right now? Here's the thing. You should write this in your notes. You can't fight a battle laying down. You can't fight a battle laying down. Yet if I were to tell some of these men that, hey, guess what? If you get up Tuesday at 5.30 a.m. tomorrow, I got a flight ticket for you for a holiday in Mexico. I bet you they'd get up. They'll get up for comfort, but they won't get up for calling. Where are you getting up for comfort and sleeping in on calling? Thank you, Holy Spirit. That is not in my notes. Okay, this is good stuff. This is good? It's good. God is good. He calls us out, speaks the truth in love. 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. Rick, come on up. I love it. Oh, I love the enthusiasm. I'm just going to put this here. All right, verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Come on. Let's go back to the the verse there. Let's go back to that verse. I, I, I think I have the NIV version. It's all good. But specifically, there's something that stood out to me. It says, um, David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? That, that's, that's the point I just wanted to make because the next point is removing the disgrace that defies the living God. Oh, that hit me hard. That hit me hard this morning. We tend to tolerate things that go against God's word, against God's truth, the living word of God. For the word of God is alive, it is active, it is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4.12, the word. What would you consider to be standing in your valley that represents disgrace? Disgrace. Can you picture it? Is there something that you have tolerated in the valley that stands there 
It mocks at you. And it doesn't just mock at you. It mocks at all the other men that are with you in your tribe because you tolerate it. Instead of standing on the truth and the word of God and fighting from a place of victory, from the place of the cross and resurrection, you tolerate it. And you choose that comfort over calling. You sleep in on the battle because you'd rather stay stuck in what is familiar than to step into what is foreign. And what rewards are waiting for you if you are willing to remove the disgrace? David said, what's in it for the guy that removes this disgrace? Do you know what's in it for you? I could probably guess freedom, blessing, another chapter in your life, but you, you tolerate the disgrace. You let it mock you instead of facing it and fighting it. Faith cannot fix what we're not willing to face. But you can't just face it, you got to fight it. All the other men, even Saul, come on, he's the leader of the army, is terrified. But David, someone say, but David. What's the difference? David spent time with God, one-on-one time with God. David looked to God as his leader, his commander. And when Saul was failing, so was his army. If Saul had done a good job of pointing the men to God and following God's ways and God's word, we'd probably have a different story, wouldn't we? Uh, who would read First Samuel 17? Let's see if we can get another one of the men that's online or even in. Oh, we still got Denis. Denis, can you hear us okay? You got your Bible in front of you? Southside Victory Church is about to read First Samuel 17, uh, 28. Go ahead, Denis. Then he turned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Keep reading. Why don't you read two more verses, 29 and 30. Sure. Now, what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. Let's give it up for Denis for reading the word of God, taking the time. He's got, this guy's got no excuses. Not only does he get up, he's joining us. He gets his wife to drive the car, which is awesome. <laughs> now he's at Southside Victory Church. You can hear the worship team getting ready. Maybe they're worshiping already. And he's still staying connected. Let's give it up one more time for Denis. That is the father of Vince, by the way. You wonder where Vince gets his drive. Now you know. So I don't know if you caught the first part. We had to actually add him into the, into the stream there. He wasn't quite on again. But um, that was David's older, oldest brother that was challenging David in the beginning and calling him out. So I want to talk about 
with little time I have left, the fight with family, the fight with family. In the chapter before, Samuel again comes to the house of Jesse, which I mentioned to anoint the next king of Israel because um, God has rejected Saul. His brother is also rejected. Because it says in 1 Samuel 16, 6-7, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Okay, this is what Samuel thought of him. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Who? His older brother, not David. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Right there. His brother still had rage towards David because he was rejected. Some people stand tall on the outside, but they shrink on the inside when it comes to battle. The Lord is after the heart, and the Lord is after the heart of a warrior. One thing I learned a long time ago (laughs) when it comes to fighting, I'm not worried about the guy that's chirping all the time. Okay? The same thing can happen, even people that are chirping all the time in the church. I'm not so much worried about them. I'm worried about the one that is still and knows that he is God. And when he speaks, look out. When he stands up, look, the same thing in a fight. I'm worried about that guy over there that's not saying anything. Because when it's time to talk, his words aren't going to be pennies. They're going to be pearls. And he might lay hands on you (laughs) real quick. (laughs) Took one shot for Goliath to come down. And you could tell when David said, enough's enough. I've had enough of you chirping. Let me talk for a little bit here. Now get ready to fall. My favorite part is coming up. The biggest battle we may face is when we're ready to fight, but our family doesn't believe that we have what it takes or calls out our weaknesses when we are called to war. We can't fight amongst ourselves, brothers. We can't fight in the middle of a battle amongst ourselves. Otherwise, we end up fighting against the very one we should be fighting for. For we are not at war against flesh and blood, but against principalities. I'll read the next one. Verse 37 and 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him, a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he um, was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them into his pouch, into his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. You know what? This is another good one, too. Some of us live in the, in the world of not enough or I don't have enough. Well, pastor, when I get this kind of job, then I'll wake up early and I'll go to war. Oh, pastor, when I have this kind of financial freedom, then I'd, oh, if I had a church as big as yours, then I could reach more people for the kingdom of God. David took his staff and his sling and five stones, but most importantly, he took the Lord with him. 
and he faced that giant. The thing I want us to catch there is don't wear Saul's armor. Fight the gifts, fight with the gifts that God has given you. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11, it, it talks about all the different gifts that we get from the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines, just as is needed. Man, would you stand with me? Get right to it. This is is our verse. This is our our memory verse. It's it's longer, but it's a good one. It's probably my favorite part of the story. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you. How does he come against him? In the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, someone say this day. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down. I will cut off your head. The very day, this very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, but for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into my hands. Whoa, enough said. Drop the mic. Face the battle lines. Takes him down. Do you know that David goes over there because he said he's going to cut off his head? He didn't have a sword. He goes and uses the very sword that the enemy tried to de- defeat him with. He uses to chop up the, off the head of the enemy. The devil has tried to take you out with lust, with greed, with finances, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Three things he keeps trying to take you out with. But you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. The same thing. There will be other men where you will share a testimony from this day forward. And what it does is it takes that weapon that used to be so, the thing that you were so ashamed of because you overcame through Jesus, those wounds will become scars. And they will show that you have fought the good fight and that the victory belongs to the Lord. And it represents that you have been healed, man. You know, David took the head of Goliath with him. He was so B.A. And when I mean B.A., I mean blessed and anointed. He was so blessed and anointed. And he took that head with him. And you know, the interesting thing, even though he served Saul before this, this wasn't the first time that Saul would have been in the presence of David. David was there when Saul was tormented. David played the harp for Saul. But Saul didn't know David's father. Because he says to his men, Saul says, find out whose father this boy is. There's people out there. They see you, but they don't know your father. It's time they get to know your father. By the works of your hands, by the word of your testimony. I want to pray over you this morning. In-house, online. 
wherever you're watching us from. And I want to invite the Lord into your situation, your Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm inviting him in. Would you invite him into your heart to be Lord over your life? Would you, would you invite him not just to be your friend, not just to be your Savior, but to be your Lord, Lord over your life. Paul said in Romans 10, verse 9, if we believe in our hearts, confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believing that God the Father raised his Son from the grave, that we will be saved. You don't have to fight alone anymore. You don't have to fight on your own strength. When Jesus comes into your life, even in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Would you just pray this prayer with me right now and just invite Jesus in to your situation. Say, dear Jesus, here I am. I believe, I believe that you died for me, that you died for my sins, and that you rose from the grave. Come into my heart. Be Lord over my life. I'm tired of fighting alone. I'm ready to fight with you. Lord, I leave everything at the foot of the cross. And I follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed this prayer, whether it's for the first time or you're coming back to him, just lift your arms up to him this morning. Lift your arms up. Message me online right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We're just going to continue to worship, and we're going to give the opportunity like we always do for baptism. If you don't know what baptism is about, the word means to be fully immersed, all in. I mentioned before that Jesus commissioned us in making disciples to go into all the world, baptizing them the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching others to obey his commands, and surely he is with us always. In Romans, it says, when we are baptized, we are baptized with Christ. When we go in the water, it represents when he went to the grave. When we come up out of the water, it represents his resurrection power, that we are resurrected with Christ. And if that's you today and you want to step in, just step up. Come forward now as we worship God. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.